Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports to the max. Steve Thompson in for Mike Max here on this Wednesday. Twins get beat. They get swept by the Brewers. Uh, they'll be in San Diego on Friday night to open a three-game series. Their coverage begins at 8 o'clock. And no one, no one's ever too far out of hockey season in these parts because in the summer months there's camps. The Beauty League is is underway and the countdown to training camp uh, for, for the Wild, the college teams, the Gophers included in all of that, the high school teams, before you know it, will be talking tryouts, etc., and the start of another NHL season. So there is a rich hockey history in this part. And, and part of that rich hockey history is a club called the Minnesota Fighting Saints, played in the old Civic Center. And uh, local author, uh, one of my favorite followers on Twitter, Dan Winnesota joins us. And Dan, finally good to visit with you on the air. And congrats on the, on the brand new book, A Slap Shot in Time, The Wild But True History uh, the Minnesota Fighting Saints. Once again, congrats to you on this one. Hey, thanks. It's uh, it's nice to finally talk to you and, and Tubbs as well. Yeah, for sure. And how long did you work on this book? Uh, you know, from, hey, I got to do a book about the Fighting Saints to actually getting the thing published. Well, I didn't actually start out planning to write a book about the Fighting Saints. You know, my after my first book, I was just kind of, I mean, it takes a long time to write a book. So I wasn't really planning on writing a second one. I really wanted to work on uh, a little North Stars documentary. Um, and so I started planning out this North Stars documentary, and I kind of broke it into four parts. The first part was about uh, the formation of the team and getting the franchise and the building of the Met Center. And the part two was about the 70s. Well, you can't tell the story of the North Stars in the 70s without talking a little bit about the Fighting Saints. Um, and as I'm going through all this research and learning these these wild stories, you're just like, man, these guys, I mean, because I wasn't even bored when they played their first game, you know, so I didn't really know, I mean, I kind of knew they existed, but just reading about all this craziness and, and wild stories that happened, um, I just, I was like, these guys really needed their own story, and at that point, I wasn't sure if it was going to be a book or like a separate kind of amateur documentary that I make, but it, it just kind of turned into a book. Yeah, and it is a, a great story because there's been a lot of stories, and I suppose as you dig in, you know, that the Minnesota Fighting Saints were the inspiration for Slapshot and some of that. Did, what, what, what did you find? Did, did, did you see that tie between that, that uh, rumor that, hey, some of Slapshot was, was based on what was going on with the Fighting Saints? Well, to be honest, 
all of Slapshot was based on what was going on with the Fighting Saints. Okay. Um, their their minor league team, the Johnstown Jets, um, was what most of it was the stories came from. But a lot sure. of them, as you read the book, you'll find out. You'll be like, oh, that sounds familiar. That the part where he gets hit with the tire chain or whatever that happened to Mike Walton in San Diego. Um, but the the Johnstown Jets were their minor league team, and they had players that played. You know, they had two way contracts. They played both ways and. And a lot of those stories, like the one where the, the Hanson brothers get arrested, I mean, that really happened. And, and the Fighting Saints coach, Harry Neal, happened to be in the crowd that night trying to, you know, watch some of their prospects. And he had to go bail them out of jail. Yeah. And, you know, the, the thing, Dan, and by the way, Dan Minnesota, brand new book, A Slap Shot in Time, The Wild But True History of the Minnesota Fighting Saints, available wherever you buy books. Uh, including Amazon, joins us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. You know, and, and Dan, all the things I'm familiar with, I was born in St. Paul in 64, so I was a little kid when, when they were born. Never made it to a Fighting Saints game at the Civic Center, but I did get to know Glenn Sonmore. And by the time he was the golden gopher hockey analyst, uh, I, I got a rare opportunity to do a home-and-home home with Glenn uh, Golden Goal for Hockey while he was off doing the state tournament. So they asked me if I'd fill in, and, well, chance to work with Glenn Sonmore at St. Cloud State and then at Mariucci. Well, the trip to St. Cloud and the trip back from St. Cloud riding with Glenn, the, the only thing I regret is I didn't have a tape recorder rolling. But, you know, he told a ton of stories about it, and, and Glenn Sonmore was in the middle of it. The, the, the crazy money stories, the, the players, the, just the touch-and-go atmosphere of the club. Would they be able to keep the doors opening? I mean, unbelievable. Well, according to, you know, most of the people I talked to, Sonmore was absolutely beloved, and you're 100% right on the stories. Like, one of the stories in the, in the foreword by Lefty Curran, Apparently, Sonmore used to like he'd take he had one eye for those people who don't know that he'd uh, he'd lost an eye in a, a in, in his playing days. Well, he had a glass eye, so he used to take that out and, and put it in people's drinks just to mess with them. <laughs> so, I mean, he he was quite the character. He was very tough. It sounds like. I mean, you'll see a common theme throughout the book about you know he he was he wanted to win, but he was going to use toughness to do it. Um, and you know, you mentioned St. Paul too. I, I probably should have said this earlier. The, the big thing about the Fighting Saints is that, you know, they were St. Paul's first major professional team. You know, all the other teams were, you know, the Minnesota North Stars, the Minnesota Vikings, the Minnesota Twins, the Minneapolis Lakers. But they were, even though they said Minnesota, they were kind of across town. And um, this was St. Paul's team. So this was, it was important to tell that story as well. Yeah. And, you know, the, just the, the money struggles of an upstart, you know, here this league's taking on the established NHL. There's already a club in town, as you, you mentioned, the North Stars out in Bloomington at the Met. Um, and it, it is a challenge financially from the get-go. And and some of those stories that I've heard, and I, I know you've got them in the book, uh, really, I mean, just trying to get the, payer, the players paid, um, scraping up funds is, is just crazy. Yeah, they, they, you know, we're all talking about this live golf right now, and live golf is, right. you know, luring these people away with, you know, these giant, you know, lucrative deals and contracts and things, and that's what the WHA did. They 
threw a bunch of money around at these players to get them to jump ship. You know, and Lefty mentions in the book, he says, you know, because he was the first player to sign in the entire WHA, and I didn't even know that going into it. Um, but he was the first player to ink a contract, and he says, you know, I, I should have waited because as soon as I signed it, they started throwing around money. But, you know, with this Live Golf, they've got, you know, they've probably got a lot more money to keep it sustainable. The WHA didn't, and the model, it just wasn't sustainable, and it was going to crash eventually, and that's kind of what happened. Yeah, fan support. Let's talk about that. Um, part part of the problem is is that they they didn't draw across the league as they had hoped, and you know heavily relying on gate receipts. Well, ironically, the Fighting Saints were one of the highest, if not the highest, drawing team in the league, um, and but it just wasn't enough. They needed to average eleven. I mean, the Civic Center held about eighteen thousand. They needed to average about 11000 per season to stay afloat financially. I think the first season it was 6000 the second was 8000 you know, and, uh, you know, ironically, it came down to um, the WHA started thinking about merging, and they wanted to keep around franchises that didn't have NHL cities or NHL franchises in town um, to compete with. So, uh, like, for example, they the WHA gave – the Cleveland Crusaders, who were financially struggling as well, they kind of gave them a loan and bailed them out, and they let the Fighting Saints die. Yeah. And, you know, Dan, when you look at this league, and you mentioned some of the big-name players, there were good players in this league. You know, there was rough and tumble, but it was quality hockey. There were definitely talent in that league. Well, here's the thing. it was. I mean, yes, there was plenty of talent, and, you know, Mike Walton was kind of the – big name star he's on the cover of the book here but uh the wha they opened doors for more um, not only american-born players but u.s-born players they they forced the the nhl to expand like four expansion teams in the 70s to compete um and i think it was something like 13 of the uh players on that first fighting saints team they were minnesotan and that was kind of huge because at, at that time there was the NHL was dominated by Canadians. There was, almost, I think it was like 20 players in the NHL at that time were American, let alone Minnesotan. So um, it just kind of opened the doors to a lot of players. And I suppose, uh, big picture, the North Stars were relieved when they went away. <laughs> well, I, don't, I guess I don't know about that. I, um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you don't have to compete with them, I guess. That makes sense, yeah. Um, the the sweaters were cool though, and and the logo and what 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 yes, you pick for the cover of the book it, it it is phenomenal. You know we struggled with it a lot of you know I kind of did some polls on Twitter and a lot yeah. of people wanted to see the Hanson bro- the Carlson brothers on the cover and there is no photo that exists that I know of of all three Carl uh, Carlson brothers on the ice and fighting Saint sweaters. I actually have one in the book but one of the Carlson brothers is kind of obscured in the back. You could barely see him. So to find a picture like that, I would have had to have like three separate ones, and it just kind of didn't look right. And so, I mean, there's plenty of Carlson photos in the book. Um, but, yeah, this one with Mike Walton, he's got his hands up. He's missing teeth to me, and, the, and you could see the logo. I just felt like you needed to see the logo and, you know, maybe even possibly some of the clear boards. Uh, I, I love that photo. 
Dan Minnesota slap shot in time. The wild but true history of Minnesota Fighting Saints joining us here. Steve Thompson sitting in for Mike Max. Producer Chris Tubbs. And, uh, Chris and I were talking off the air. You are one of my favorite follows on Twitter. So, oh, you. you know, the build-up to the book, you, you really kind of shared with, you know, the people you know and the people that follow you on Twitter, you know, this process of putting the book together. So it, it's been cool to kind of see it go from ideas and asking people about what should be on the cover and what should I do to actually turning the thing into a book. It, it was really fun to follow that, Dan. Well, you know, we when I presented the idea, I actually presented it to a couple of publishers, and I had one that was interested, but eventually we decided to self-publish, and that means you're doing everything yourself. And I've, you know, the first book I didn't have to do much. I just get finished the manuscript and sent it along. Well, that's not how it works when you're self-publishing, and you have to go down to the historical society, dig through boxes of photos, and, you know, that was a, actually, I'm kind of a nerd, so that was kind of a fun experience, and <laughs> And you're learning about book layouts and, and, you know, the first proofs came back. Some of the photos were really dark and I was having a panic attack. And, and I got to tell you, uh, I want to give a shout out to Jesse Pierce who works for uh, NHL.com. She, sure. I was looking for a co- I didn't know what a copy editor was, but I knew I needed one. And uh, she immediately responded back. And um, um, I mean, she took a chance on me and, and I really appreciate what she did and her, joining me on this journey yeah it's been it's been a a learning experience well and it's great to have jesse involved i've had a chance to visit with her on the air and uh, she's been on with henry lake of course here on news talk a3owcco does a phenomenal job covering the wild and, and having someone hockey knowledgeable you know did she come back had she had dan and say come on man you know did did, did she demand a raise or was she you know pretty pleased with what you put together um, you know, I don't think, I mean, there were a few things like she cut and I was like, I kind of want to okay. keep that. She's like, hey, you know, it's your, it's your book, but you right. know, she came back with a lot of ideas because there was a bunch of things you'll see in the book. There's like little fun facts and I just little tidbits that I thought were really cool bits of history about the fighting saints that needed to be in there. And me being, you know, an amateur writer, uh, you know, trying to intertwine them into the story and they really didn't fit. And she was like, you know, why don't we do these little pull-out facts and, and, and you know, just so she had some really good ideas and kind of, and, I, you know, I have to I have to default to her on things, too, because I don't know. Like, she would say things like, you know, let's do this. I'm like, what does that mean? I don't know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that, yeah, she that, was, she's just great. Now, now, artwork, you talked about photos, that sort of thing. For, for people that don't know, a lot of work goes into that to get permission and that sort of thing. I mean, there's the interviews, and, and there's doing the research, but but actually getting permission to use images and that, you know, that that gets into the weeds a little bit. We're, we're, was finding some of this stuff a huge challenge, Dan? Yeah, well, the, the, in the book, most of the black and white ones came from the Historical Society, and those folks oh. down there, they deserve a shout-out, too, because, you know, newbie like me walks in and says, what do I do? Um, and they per- they held my hand the first day, but after that, I was I was on my way, and and that was kind of a little fun little treasure hunt. Um, but I ran into somebody on Twitter, um, got me in touch with Mike Laney, who used to be a, a writer for the Minneapolis Star before the two papers merged, and he was the Fighting Saints original PR man. So I got in touch with him, and I went up and met with him, and he was sitting on all the teams 
original PR photos. Wow. And, and I mean, who owns the copyrights? I mean, um, nobody. The, it's the league, the team doesn't exist, you know? So, I mean, he gave me permission to use them, and that's where the cover photo came from was he preserved them. He, they would have been destroyed in time. So he, he saved them and preserved them. He was sitting on the, the original franchise certificate. He said, you know, the day we collapsed, the day we folded, I took this off the wall and said, I'm taking this home. And he's kept it ever since, and it's in pristine condition. And so he was just literally sitting on a treasure trove of, of 1970s fighting, like over 3,000 photos. Like, we couldn't even go through them all. There's probably no, that, yeah, and that is pure gold. I, I suppose when you track that down, it was probably this feeling, wow, I, I, I got everything I need. Hundred percent, and he yeah. he said he used to like pay he, these photographers from Mankato State to come up and take photos for the game. So I mean, they would just give him his roll of film and go back to school with their money. You know, that's what that's how the. I mean, again, that kind of shows you the fighting space. You know, kind of trying to keep things on a budget there and and get some get some of their things they need done. Yeah, and Dan, I would assume you know tracking down former players, staff, etc. For, for a book like this, you know, if they're still around, they're probably willing to talk and pretty cooperative. Actually, you know, no. Um, and I don't think wow. that's their fault. I think that it's, you know, I, for those who don't know, I'm a teacher. I'm not a writer. I'm not, a, a, you know, a, a media person. So, hey, I'm Dan Wenasota calling you about a book I'm writing. They're probably like, who the heck is this guy, right? Yeah. So sure. I think some of them were just a little nervy about who I was, but I got a hold of Lefty. I think I mentioned that already. Yep. And Lefty, Lefty is a ball of fun. He, um, he's, he's just. I, I've told this story three times today, and he calls me during the day at school. He'll call me, and go, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm teaching, dude. What is going on?" And he'll want to tell me stories, and and he's just. He, I, meeting him has been uh, probably one of the best parts of this project, not even just for the book, but I feel like he and I have become friends, and and he's just, he, I can't say it enough, he's a great guy. Well, Dan, congrats on the book and all the work you put into the project. Uh, great Minnesota story, a slap shot in time, the wild but true history of the Minnesota Fighting Saints. Uh, I would assume people can get it wherever they buy books, right, Dan? Actually, no. Um, because okay. it's self-published, I don't have it in stores yet, possibly, maybe, who knows. But for right now, it's on Amazon, right. um, and people can buy it there. And just want to give a shout-out to, on August 20th, we are having a release party at Tom Reed's, so people can bring their books, and Lefty will be there, and Jesse will be there, and Lefty's going to try to get some of the other players to come, so people can bring their books and hopefully get them signed by a couple players. All right, what's that date again, Tom Reed's? August 20th, Tom Reed's Hockey Pub in St. Paul, noon to four. Sounds great, Dan. Congrats again. Good to visit with you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. All right, there he is, Dan Winnesota, good guy. Fun follow on Twitter. His book, A Slapshot in Time, The Wild but True History of the Minnesota Fighting Saints. It is available at Amazon. And Winnesota, W-H-E-N-E-S-O-T-A. If you're looking for a spelling on that one. Quick break. More Sports to the Max coming up. Sports to the Max. Tough day for the Twins earlier. Ten walks. Six of those by Chris Archer. He got the hook early. Brewers win it 10-4. to And a heartbreaker on Tuesday night as the Brewers win it in the bottom of the ninth. Walked the Twins off. 
And now another day off for the Twins before they open in San Diego with the Padres on Friday night. Joe Ryan will be on the mound in that one. Our coverage begins at 8 Friday night. Uh, first pitch after 8.30 local time. And then uh, they play again Saturday night, Sunday matinee before they return to Target Field. And then they uh, have a long homestand, or a seven-gamer anyway, with Detroit and Toronto coming to town. Uh, after tomorrow, the Twins' next day off doesn't come until uh, Monday, August 8th. So three in San Diego, three with Detroit, and four with Toronto, the Tigers and the Blue Jays here. Quick update on the Major League scoreboard. White Sox oblige. They get beat as well by Colorado at 6-5 out in Denver. Uh, so the White Sox uh, stagger out of the gate after taking 3 of 4 from the Twins going into the break. They haven't done anything. And now the Red Sox have gone ahead of the Guardians at Fenway 6-5 in the 7th. Uh, Cleveland held an early lead, but the Red Sox have surged in front 6-5 in the 7th. That would help the Twins cause atop the division we have got another break coming up we'll do the weather and then we'll talk nascar uh weird thing happened in pennsylvania at pocono over the weekend first place driver you thought anyway takes the checkered flag denny hamlin disqualified second place driver teammate kyle bush he's disqualified the win awarded later to the third place finisher Chase Elliott, we'll get into all of that. Jordan Bianchi from The Athletic as we count down to the playoffs and the NASCAR Cup circuit on the way here on News Talk. E3O-WCCO. Sports to the Max. Steve Thompson in for Mike Max tonight. Chris Tubbs is our producer. And we're going to talk NASCAR. Jordan Bianchi from The Athletic, good enough to join us. Uh, from his home base in North Carolina, the uh, headquarters of the sport, uh, Charlotte area. Uh, Jordan, good to visit with you. And uh, the tricky triangle uh, didn't let us down after the race. We learned that not only the the, the winner of the race, but second place winner disqualified. That opened the door for Chase Elliott. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Steve. Always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Yeah, uh, I mean, first time in NASCAR really since, what, 1960, uh, I believe, and, and really unprecedented. If you look at this, and NASCAR, with this new car that they introduced this year, was very adamant to the teams, listen, there will be no – there are certain parameters you are not allowed to do. And while it may seem minor, we are going to police this very hard. And when we find an infraction, we are going to come down hard on you. We've seen it a couple times already this year, and we kind of thought that maybe at some point we'd see – where a winner would, would be disqualified, and lo and behold, it happened. And like you said, it just didn't happen to the winner. It happened to his teammate, too, in a second. So the third-place guy who crossed the line gets elevated. Great for Chase Elliott, third win, five races. He's on a hot streak right now. Um, not the way he thought he was going to win the race, but uh, really quite dramatic. And it's it's certainly something we haven't, like I said, we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, very unusual. And, and take us through the penalty, because once it was announced and they – said the the NASCAR officials said what it was it literally sounds like it was a piece of tape in the wrong spot yeah I mean <laughs> I guess it's always fun on what interpretation you want to go sure, to right, right. Yeah, yeah I mean there, there, there's, there's NASCAR was kind of a little bit more vague shall we say about it uh, they didn't get into specifics but according to Joe Gibbs Racing which owned the cars for Dan Hamlin and Kyle Boris, they did say it was a clear clear piece of plastic tape not very 
big by any stretch of the mat- imagination. And basically, uh, if you surmising that uh, such a piece of tape wouldn't have any impact on the car or the performance of the race car, uh, you, you talk to people and they will say, tell you that that piece of tape was not really going to have a major difference one way or another. But there are some questions about exactly what was going on or what that tape was doing or if it was even just the tape itself or how that tape was placed. Um, but it's one of those things. And the fact that they didn't appeal the penalty should kind of maybe point you in the direction of maybe what something else may be going on or something bigger than what was said. Just one of those things. This is part of it. I mean, this has always been this way with NASCAR, which is like, and I hate to use that word cheating because I just don't think it's the case. This is like holding in the NFL, right? Like everybody holds. You just kind of try to get away with it, right? And it's the same thing. And that's what it was in this instance. And you have crew chiefs forever and ever always going to try to push and find the margins of the rule book. And where that gray in that rule book is between black and white, that's where they want to play. And NASCAR is trying to eliminate that. And they have said that, Hey, this is not, we're not going to accept this. So it's just part of this kind of cat and mouse game that you always see. And this is just the newest example with just a kind of a, a bigger spotlight, if you will, because we had a winner thrown out. Yeah, so first and second disqualified, Denny Hamlin, the winner at the moment, took the checkered flag. His teammate, Kyle Busch, uh, disqualified. So third-place finisher, Chase Elliott, gets a win. We talked about that on top. But but back to the infraction. And the, these cars and the technology and in the wind tunnels, for the casual fan, they don't realize that a piece of tape or manipulating the body panels yep. if you can gain a tenth of a second a lap that's a big deal i mean any yeah. slight edge is huge isn't it jordan 100 percent. you're right on i mean the tape can deflect the wind and it can it can perfect horsepower and how much air flows into the car or where that the air yep. and the downforce is on the car i mean it can affect everything everything is about aerodynamics and downforce and every little thing and it's why you see pit stops where teams will put tape on the front of the grill and it's because of airflow they don't want the air going into the car because that can affect the engine performance and that kind of thing it's all about that. And any little tenth of a second can be the difference between finishing finishing first or finishing 30th. So, again, any little margin of error you can you can find, you're, you're going to do it. I mean, it wasn't too long ago, four, five, six years ago, where during pit stops, you would literally have crew members, and I'm using air quotes as I say this, accidentally pull on the body of the car <laughs> because they tried to pull it out and basically act as a deflector. And it was getting to the point where it was really obscene, and NASCAR was, was calling people on this. And so it just... Like I said, it's just part of it. There's always something that teams are doing to try to find an advantage. I mean, there's been instances in Daytona 500, you go back to the early 80s, where crew chief rigged a bumper to fall off the race car intentionally. And once it got made contact with somebody, because they realized that the aerodynamics were so better without it. So, again, and that driver went on to win the race, Bobby Allison. So, it's just, it's just part of it. Yeah. Part, part of the deal. We are getting down to the end. Uh, coming up next, uh, wildly popular race. Not always the most interesting show at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, but but this time uh, they're, they're on the road course at Indy, and that is coming up here at the end of the month. It is, and, and Indy's going to be great. And then you got another road course coming up at Watkins Glen, and then you end the season at, regular season at Daytona. Really, if you look at this stretch of races, two road courses, Daytona, 
you got a short track at Richmond and then Michigan, which is this wildly fast two mile race track. Um, really a, a quite diverse uh, five race stretch here that's going to decide the regular season. Uh, we know, I mean, largely, you know, Chase Elliott should win the regular season championship. Something just monumental collapse would have to happen for that not to happen at this point. Uh, but you look at it, you've got 14 different winners so far this year. Five races left for guys who are not in the playoffs to get those two final spots. And it's really up for up for grabs on what's going to happen. And with these races, the way the schedule plays out, you feel like you could get one of the one or two surprise winners still the rest of the way. Yeah, and uh, who, who's on the bubble? Who's in trouble? Who needs help to, well, to ultimately get into the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, looking at Ryan Blaney, who's who's and Martin Truex Jr. are both top five in the point standings. They've had great years, but they don't have a win. They are on the bubble. They're the last two drivers in the playoffs right now. But if someone else wins a race, one of those two guys is going to fall out. And then the other side of the coin, the one notable name that's out of the playoffs and he's the first guy out is Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick hasn't missed the playoffs since 2010. I'm sorry, 2009. Um, he's a perennial title contender. He's a guy who is always winning races, runs up front. Just a guy you can always pencil in the playoffs, right? Well, not this year. He's on the wrong side of the, the cut line, and he's in a position and points where he can't point his way in. He's too far back. It's basically win or bust from here on out. Um, he's got five races to do it. He actually runs good at all five of these races, and he's been running well the last few weeks. It seemed to have found something and kind of turned that corner. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if Harvick does it, but he's going to have to figure out a way to do it because otherwise he's going to miss the playoffs for the first time in a long time. Yeah, and you brought up Blaney and, and, and Truex. They, they don't have the all-important wins, so if, if Harvick ultimately does get a win over these mm-hmm. final five ahead of the playoffs, could one of those guys get bumped? Because is it a win and in? If you win, you're guaranteed a playoff yeah. spot? That's basically it, and and it'd be really kind of unprecedented for like a Blaney or Truex, where as higher they are as in points, right? To to miss it, it's not happened. The highest driver to not miss to miss the playoffs previously is eleventh. Truex and, and Blaney are both top five right now. It would be crazy because you look at their years and like, wow, it's a great year. They're running consistently, running well, all of the stuff. The problem is they just haven't won. And really, in this format, winning is everything. If you can't figure out how to win a race, you're in trouble. Yeah, and, and there are some other drivers, some, some names that are on the outside looking in that don't have that coveted win that, that could also be a factor. You brought up Harvick, but, you know, you, you could make a case for an Eric Jones or an Austin Dillon or, you know, you know potentially even a Bubba Wallace, you Absolutely. know, to, to find a way to victory lane. Absolutely. All three of those guys are very much capable of winning a race this year. Jones has had a lot of speed. Bubba Wallace, honestly, probably should have had a win this year or close yeah. to it. They just His pit crew has let him down repeatedly. And Bubba is really, really good at Daytona. He finished second in Daytona 500 earlier this year. His only career cup win came at Talladega last fall. He is so good in these speedway races. Jones has won at Daytona before as well. Uh, it really feels like something wild is going to happen at Daytona in a few weeks from now, and it's going to be one of those races you circle on your calendar. It's going to be intense, it's going to be dramatic, and it's going to be fun to watch. Jordan Bianchi joining us from the Athletic Talking Motorsports, John Schuster, Coldwell Banker Hotline. Finally, Jordan, before we let you go, um, fans, television ratings, it -hmm. seems as though that that NASCAR is doing pretty well on that front, that uh, we've seen some pretty popular shows that, you know, a- after a tough stretch, it, mm-hmm. it seems as though the sport's on a comeback trail. 
Very much. The NASCAR's done really a tremendous job of reshaking up the schedule. I know we've talked about it before where yes. it felt like the schedule was stale and everything, especially during these summer months. It's no longer the case. We just kind of went through it. There's a lot of different tracks, a lot of new markets on there. Pocono, where NASCAR raced a week ago, um, had its highest crowd since 2010. Um, NASCAR deserves a lot of credit for that. And there's a lot of excitement, new teams. Michael Jordan is a part of this now. He only co-owns a team. you got Pitbull. I mean, you just have all of these different elements kind of coming together. Kudos to NASCAR for making it work. And again, still got a long way to go. Still need more to do. But the changes they have made really over the last two, three years are really starting to take root. And it really paints a positive uh, picture for the direction that NASCAR is headed. Yeah, no doubt. And it helps to have uh, a, a driver like Chase Elliott leading the way. Absolutely. Really picked up where his dad, you know, Awesome Bill from Dawsonville, you know, <laughs> won, won all those, you know, most popular driver awards. Dale Earnhardt Jr. now in the TV booth. But to have someone like Chase Elliott not only win a championship, leading the regular season points, starting to pile up wins again, that's a big deal as well. It is. I mean, he's NASCAR's popular driver, like you said, and yep. he, he connects to a fan base both because of his father and his father. His, his, they remember him from his dad, and he also drove for Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the Xfinity Series, so he has that connection. He replaced Jeff Gordon, so he's kind of got all of yeah. these tentacles, if you will, from three well-known drivers, um, and he's he's just he's got the connection. And old school fans like him because of his last name. Um, younger fans like him because he's a younger guy and he's twenty still. He, he just checks a lot of boxes. Yeah. Well, Jordan, always good to visit with you. Appreciate your work and the athletic covering the sport. And once again, Jordan, I'm happy for you. You're, you're truly a guy who's paid his dues and, and you deserve everything you have. Uh, very kind of you, Steve, and I appreciate it. You've always been very supportive of me, and I enjoy the conversations we've had. So thank you so much. Yeah, keep up the good work. We'll visit again soon. Look forward to it, my friend. Bye. All right, there he is, Jordan Bianchi from The Athletic, joining us here. News Talk, 830 WCCO. They head for Indianapolis this weekend, and uh, they'll be at the Brickyard on the road course. Uh, 13 minutes down in front of 9 o'clock, we'll come back. Brittany Griner, will she finally come home? Uh, there is an offer, and, and we'll get into that in a moment here on News Talk, 830 WCCO. There could be a deal to bring Brittany Griner home. Uh, she's imprisoned in Russia, and she testified at her drug possession trial in Russia that an interpreter translated only a fraction of what was being said while she was being detained at Moscow's airport in February, and that officials told her to sign documents, but that no one explained any of it to me. So that testimony comes on the same day as U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said that Washington has offered a deal to Russia aimed at bringing home the WNBA star and another jailed American, Paul Whelan, in a sharp reversal of previous policy. Apparently, uh, some arms dealer would would be traded, this, this from the Associated Press, uh, for Griner and... Uh, Whalen, so so we'll see. Uh, I haven't seen anything this evening that the Russians have accepted the deal, but uh, the, there's been a lot of calls to bring Brittany Griner home, and then she can resume her career. Of course, uh, some sort of misunderstanding at the airport uh, involving vape pens, etc. 
And uh, she could face up to 10 years in prison. So I think a lot of people have been following this story. And uh, once again, a, a convicted arms dealer in exchange for Griner and uh, this Paul Whalen. And the, there, there's some interesting circumstances uh, around Whalen and his uh, incarceration over there. And apparently the name of the Russian's arms dealer, Victor Bout, is the name. So th- there you go. We'll see. Uh, and we'll continue to follow that story, of course. But th- this Griner story continues to make headlines, and rightfully so. Yeah, it's, it is really sad, though, Steve, that we're here. And because of the political climate and that she is being held hostage over something that, in the scheme of things, is so incredibly minor. And it's, it's scary to think about just when something like that goes under the radar – you don't think about the long-term implications. Like there are some places that you can't make that mistake. And unfortunately, because of the adversarial relationship that for sure, Russia and the United States have, I mean, Vladimir Putin will do anything that he can to continue to uh, uh, stick it to the United States for all intents and purposes. Well, and, and Griner had said along the way that, you know, she she packed hastily, mm-hmm. made a mistake. But but what we learned in the story today is, and, and I think this is a lesson for Americans going overseas, that you know there there's you know the Miranda rights and access to an attorney, and you don't have to answer any questions without representation. Well, you go overseas, you go to I mean the the rules are different. They're they're, they're a lot different in certain circumstances. And in this case, you know, obviously the the potential punishment doesn't fit the crime. Oh, absolutely and, and not. She, yeah, and she she got stuck in a very bad situation. So hopefully uh, they're able to make some sort of deal. But, you know, once again, I, I think for Americans in Russia or traveling to Russia or other hostile territories, you hear horror stories, and there have been a lot of those, of, of Americans traveling in North Korea and these other places. It's, uh, it is a major role of the dice. I can't even sure. imagine what she has been going through. Oh. I, I just, I cannot put myself in her situation. And I just, I hope that it can get done and you can bring, bring Brittany Griner back home. Yeah. Uh, Griner and uh, Waylon as well Absolutely. Would, would be part of the deal. All right, we've got to run. Chris Tubbs, thanks. Big thanks to all the guests. Steven for Mike. Uh, Twins are off tomorrow. Bag had it on Friday night in San Diego. Here on News Talk, E3OWCCO. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. 
And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. 